Good morning, everyone. So, you will notice that the Lord is working and doing things that we had not expected, but that we can enjoy and we can uh, embrace. <laughs> so, so glad that you're here. I'm not speaking loud enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, thank you. Um, so, good morning, everyone. And we are, uh, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I want to thank um, the music team and John. Um, John spent all day here Saturday, as did the music team, a number of hours trying to set up the worship so that we can um, be in his presence more fully. And I'm, I'm really grateful, and I'm sure all of you are. Okay, so uh, Ron is here um, to help lead the worship. He's made a commitment to us, and we are so grateful. His wife, Sue, is in the back, and, um, and then we have another Ray. I'm not quite certain how we're going to do this, Ray 1 and Ray 2, but uh, Ray Allen, who has been in our, my Bible study for many years and uh, has come to our home and worshiped along with Robert and I, which has been delightful. And she will be a blessing to us and unto the Lord. So we thank them for coming. Well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you that your power and your presence is here today. And Father, you are, even now, in your mercy and your love, you are gathering forth your little ones, your sheep in, that you have called into your fold many years ago. And Father, they may not have um, spent their lives thinking of you and worshiping you, but even now, as they are growing in age, you are going to be bringing them into, into the doors of this church and churches all over this city as you gather in your church, Lord, the ones whom you love and you have never let go of. Lord, they may have not focused on you, but you have focused on them. You love them so much. You love us so much that you never take your eyes off of us. And so now, Lord, 
take hold of us during this service. Cause us to come into your presence that we might worship and adore you. And Lord, even now, prepare to bring those out of their houses and out of their cars and out of their complacency. Bring them into the doors of churches where they will worship you and bow down and prepare for your coming, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. The Spirit of God. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. John 14, 16. During his lifetime on earth, Christ's presence could only be experienced by a small group of people at any given time. Now Christ dwells through the Spirit in the hearts of all who have received him as Savior and Lord. And the Apostle Paul wrote, Do you not know that the Spirit of God dwells within you? The Holy Spirit is given to every believer, not for a limited time, but forever. If he left us for just one moment, we would be in deep trouble. But he doesn't. He is there to give you both the gifts and the power of Christ to work. He is there to give you the strength in the momentum or the, mo the moment of temptation. He is there to produce the fruit of joy, love, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You will never have more of the Holy Spirit than you do right now. But will he have more of you? And the hope for today. Do you know people who seem to have more of the Holy Spirit than you? More peace, more kindness, more patience? They don't have more of the Spirit. They are just more surrendered to him. Ask God to take complete control of your life. And with that, let's face today. As an awesome God, he reigns from heaven above with wind.
Merciful God. Psalm 103. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. Will you stand with me for the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our New Testament reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everything, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They were reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, 
the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Can you now join me in the responsive reading? Dear God, I'll hide your word within my heart to call upon each day to calm me when the trials appear or trouble comes my way. My very life is in your hand. My heart is yours to mold. Each part of me belongs to you, a story to unfold. Forgive me when I fail to live the way you want me to. Restore in me undying faith and make me more like you. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we just read, you create all was created through you, through your Son, through the Word. So all belongs to you. You have entrusted us with different shares. You have blessed us. You have taught us lessons. You have given us a life. And the life, the best part of that life is the life that we live with you. But you also call on us to give back, that we share as you have shared. So Lord, we ask that the gifts that we give today be used in a way that is pleasing in your sight. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. so powerful um, <clears throat> the prince of the power of the air didn't want that uh, going unhindered we're going to speak the name of Jesus this morning we're going to speak to him speak about him and praise his holy name with song prayer preaching and communion Pray with me, please. Lord, in Mark's gospel, you told us to speak our faith. If we do so, in your name, mountains will be moved. Lord, remind us that we have not because we ask not. We have not because we don't speak against the darkness in our lives. The darkness in the lives of those we love. Remind us, Lord Jesus, that if we speak in the power of your name without doubting, you will do all that you have promised. Make it so, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. From our Lent readings this week, let me read you a portion of Isaiah 52. But I will reveal my name to my people, and they will come to know Sort of slide one, if you would, please. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. 
The Lord has demonstrated his holy power before the eyes of all nations. All the ends of the earth will see the victory of our God. Just watch my servant blossom, exalted, tall, head and shoulders above the crowd. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. Why was Jesus beaten so mercilessly for our healing, body, soul, and spirit? And we have been blessed with the healing of our souls for what purpose? To pass that good news along and bless others. The Lenten season... In this Lenten season, Jesus has lessons for us to learn, but are we listening? Are we paying attention? I was out on my uh, customary bike ride last week, <clears throat> and across Spanish Trail is a little neighborhood that's uh, cloistered. It's uh, rarely see another human being, let alone an automobile, perfect place to bicycle. And there's a two-mile loop. Unfortunately, there's a quarter mile where I have to get out on Houghton, but other than that, it's uh, free of traffic. But as I was making my second loop, I uh, came across two gentlemen on scooters, um, electric scooters like you see at Walmart for the handicapped. And the, uh, the third time I passed them, I thought, I waved, but I thought, uh, Lord, I feel like I should stop and talk to those guys. So um, I followed them as far as Houghton, across the road, and they stopped at, uh, at the bus stop there, and I engaged them. One gentleman's name was Stu, the other gentleman's name was Fred. Fred had just suffered an amputation. And Stu told me that uh, he had uh, purposefully got Fred out on his bike or on his scooter. He said, I wanted him to know that this is not the end. You, you can still be reasonably mobile. You can still feel the wind in your face. <clears throat> so I asked if I could pray for them. And uh, Stu said... Uh, would you please pray for my son, Michael? He's going through the big D, and I don't mean Dallas. He's going through a divorce. So I prayed for him. But uh, Stu shared with me that, uh, well, first I, I asked him, I said, uh, do you guys have a church home? Well, we listened to the live stream of 22nd Baptist. And uh, I said, Stu, you need fellowship. You need human contact. You need fellowship. And um, after that, I uh, 
prayed with Fred. And uh, I noticed he had a uh, Celebrate Recovery t-shirt on. I said, Fred, how's that going? He said, well, with my amputation, I can't get there now. So um, <clears throat> I prayed with him. But something really pricked my conscience for uh, Stu. I said, Stu, why don't, you, why don't you come visit our church? I said, we'll, we'll make arrangements for you to get there if you don't have, uh, we'll, we'll taxi. He says, well, Ray, there's a, he says, I don't think there's a church in this town that would welcome me once they saw me. He said, uh, my paralysis is such that I can't shower. He says, I'm paralyzed on the whole left side of my body and when I take a shower, he says, I can't feel anything, but when pressure is applied, like a shower, it feels like I'm being electrocuted. He says, there are times it's been three months that I haven't had a bath. He said, if somebody would give me a walk-in shower, I would install it. If I have to crawl on my hands and elbows, I would install it. I said, Stu, come to our church. Nobody's going to look down at you at our church. But his, uh, his jacket looked like he'd crawled under a car and an oil change had gone horribly wrong. And he said, uh, three months, right? I said, I can't smell you. Come to church. There's a recent story of a pastor who was living on the streets, purposefully living on the streets. He lived with the people he ministered to. He looked like the people he ministered to. Unshaven, dirty, and not exactly fresh as a daisy. He uh, wandered into a very nice church one Sunday. And once he made it past the foyer and into the sanctuary, a deacon came up and grabbed his arm and hustled him over to a chair at the very back of the church by the deacon's bench. About this time, an elder got up and made an announcement. He says, folks, finally our pastor search is over. We have made an agreement with the pastor to come shepherd this flock. Jim, will you come forward, please? Guess who got up? And you could hear the whispers in the congregation. We've hired a homeless person, really, to be our pastor? Jim took the podium, and guess what he said? I made a contract with your eldership that I would not assume the reign of this church until I could walk down the center aisle, take the podium as a homeless person, and see what the reactions would be. He said, folks, we've got work to do. Show us slide two, please. James chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 from the Amplified. 
For if a man comes into your meeting place wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in dirty clothes also comes in, and you pay special attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in this good seat, and tell the poor man, you stand over, no, you sit on the floor over there. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with wrong motives? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and as believers to be heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Brace yourself, folks. I'm inviting every homeless person I meet to this church. And I'm praying at least some will show up. What if God wants our church to be the depot for the homeless in this community? What if that's what we're called to? Would you hug a homeless person? Bless the Lord. Is your compassion stronger than your sensibilities? Show us slide three, please. 1 John 3.17 and 19 through the uh, NLT. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. God blesses us and helps us so we can bless and help others. I have an appointment with, uh, I, I really haven't been to the residence, but I'm quite sure that where Stu and Fred are living is a, uh, a group home. I have an appointment with them uh, one o'clock tomorrow. Gonna see what we can do. What will Jesus call us to this Lent? What burdens would he have a shoulder for another this Lent? Are we listening? Do we hear him? St. Francis of Assisi devoted his entire life to ministering to the lepers. He eventually contracted leprosy and died of leprosy. We admire Mother Teresa, but would we do what she did? Did you know that Mother Teresa put in her will that all her journals would be burned? upon her death. She said, I do not wish for anyone to read about all the times I doubted and questioned God. The one sheep that was lost and Jesus left the 99 to go find him. What does that one sheep look like to us? Does he wear a three-piece suit or does he look like a homeless person?
Does he have a sleeve of tattoos, facial piercings, green hair, dreadlocks? Your pastor won't be happy until we have color in this congregation. I won't be happy until this congregation has more ethnicity than the United Nations General Assembly. I want an entire section of seating for wheelchairs. And lots of people with piercings and tats and green hair. Slide four, please. Matthew 25, 44 from the message. Master, when did we ever see you hungry, thirsty, homeless, shivering, sick, or in prison and didn't help you? Jesus said, I will answer, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you fail to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. James 2.14 Don't talk about faith and not live it. For instance, if you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God action is outrageous nonsense? I said last week we don't have to go to Rwanda to find the helpless and needy. They are close at hand. So why are we here this morning? We tell ourselves we have come to worship the Lord and to encourage each other in the faith. But to what end? To receive the blessings of the Lord and then fail to pass them on? God forbid. Scripture is immutable. It cannot be changed. Scripture, scripture says God is love. Scripture says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The question is, do we live what we say we believe? Slide five, please. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 from the New King James. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share his divine nature. That means every last one of us is a little piece of Jesus and thereby escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Divine nature. This Lent, my hope and prayer is that each of us will live out God's divine nature to everyone we meet. Slide six, please. 
Okay, you're ready for sermon two. That was your Lent sermon, by the way. John 12, 1 through 11, from the NLT, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the hometown of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. Slide 8, please. Verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume is worth a year's wages. It should have been sold in the money given to the poor. Sadly, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew records that the disciples were all indignant, not just Judas. They all chimed in. Not that Judas cared for the poor, he was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Let me give you a little context this morning. This is the last week of Jesus' life on this earth. The supper takes place a few short weeks after he has raised Lazarus from the dead. The supper is held in honor of Jesus at the home of Simon the leper a former leper whom Jesus had healed. Simon the leper is not to be confused with Simon the Pharisee in the Gospel of Luke, who also held a supper for Jesus when a sinful woman burst in and washed Jesus' feet with her tears. Two different Simons, two different situations. This supper takes place on Wednesday night, the night before the Last Supper, Jesus will be on a cross in two days. Matthew records that Mary poured the ointment on Jesus' head. Mark says that she broke the jar of ointment in order to open it, which would indicate it was spilling out into her hands, and therefore she rushes over and lets it drip on Jesus' head, and then she bows to wash his feet with this ointment. The Gospels do not contradict each other. They amplify each other. Back to our text. Jesus said, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. He's very emphatic here. She is doing this in preparation for my burial. In other words, she knows exactly what she's doing and why. She has been moved by the Holy Spirit to offer Jesus a very dramatic demonstration of her devotion. An act of blessing, an act of service. They are synonymous. When you serve someone, you bless them. 
Everyone in the house was stunned. Not by the perfume, not by the fact that she was washing his feet in the middle of supper. They were stunned that she let down her hair. Very taboo. You did not do this in first century Palestine. Mary's devotion to Jesus is punctuated by her reckless abandon of social norms. Do you remember Martha's testimony in last week's sermon? Lord, I have always believed that you are Messiah, the Son of God. Mary and Martha both, through faith, have a better understanding of who Jesus is, what he's called to do, than even the disciples. You might remember the disciples are still standing slack-jawed as Jesus is ascending into heaven. Why this? Mary and Martha. Hmm. God bless our women. They know Messiah must die for the sins of the world. Mary understands what it means to give flowers to the living. To give your flowers your gratitude while people are still alive. About a year before my father died, the Lord spoke to my heart and he told me to write a letter to my dad. You need to tell him how much you appreciate him. Through the years, we uh, struggled understanding each other. And for years, I told myself I'll love him better when he's gone. But I wanted to tell him what I could not tell him face to face. So I started my letter, Dad, did you ever know that you're my hero? You're everything I would like to someday be. I can fly higher than an eagle because you are the wind beneath my wings. Thank you, Bette Midler. After his funeral, I was helping my mother organize his things and I found that letter on the very top of his pile of important papers. It was open as if he read it often. We give flowers to the living. We tell them how much we love them before it's too late. Flowers at a funeral are too late. They bless those who are mourning, but even so, it's a small comfort. Mary is honoring Jesus with her worship. She is giving flowers to the living. Mary is blessing the Lord with all she has. She is serving Jesus by washing his feet and doing so with a very expensive ointment. Luke twenty-two twenty-four. Jesus tells his disciples that in his kingdom, the least is the greatest. For I am among you as one who serves. You read the Gospel of Luke, pay attention and you will understand what I'm about to tell you. 
you should not be surprised when you are seated at the great supper of the Lamb and Jesus rises and ties an apron around his waist and serves you. That's how important service is in the kingdom of God. To serve is to bless. So how do we bless each other? Slide nine, please. First Peter 4.10 from the Amplified. Just as each of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ that ability in serving one another. God bless you, Ray. God bless you, Ron. You have served us this morning. And we are very appreciative. Employ that ability in serving one another and is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. Galatians 5.13 For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use this freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. How do we serve an invalid neighbor, an aged neighbor? You might roll their trash bins to the curb, taxi them to the doctor, cook a meal for them when they're ill. But how do you serve those who mourn? You sit and weep with them. It's called the ministry of tears. You just sit and weep with them. And whatever you do, do not offer platitudes. Don't you dare say, I know how you feel. No two tragedies are the same. No two people deal with loss the same. Upon the death of his wife, C.S. Lewis wrote this. A grief observed. Talk to me about the truth of religion and I'll listen gladly. Talk to me about the duty of religion and I'll listen submissively. But don't come talking to me about the consolations of religion or I shall suspect you do not understand. Religiosity offers no comfort. Only faith. Only prayer. Only spirit-led compassion. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping, her feet, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. There is no more desirable fragrance than the love of a God. I think Mary was very familiar with Isaiah 52. How beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. I think she fully understood Isaiah 52. How beautiful are the feet of he who is salvation. Isaiah 61 
The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to give to those who mourn in Zion a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. What is the oil of gladness? The power of worship-filled praise to cast off the oppressive works of darkness. That is the oil of gladness. Oil, as you know, is a type or a symbol of the Holy Spirit. If sorrow is your prison, praise and thanks are the keys to unlock the door. We have the power to bless each other, but how often do we do it? All we need to do is speak. Speak the name of Jesus. Jesus said, speak to the mountain and it shall be removed and cast into the sea. Put your faith in action. Speak what you believe. Speak without doubting and it will be so. Speak praise and thanks. Speak healing, comfort, peace over your situation. Whatever mountain you face, speak your faith. Prayer is wonderful. But the progress of faith is speaking what you believe. Speak to that mountain. Make it move. We also have the power to bless the Lord. But how often do we do that? I have a mezuzah mounted on the doorframe between our kitchen and the garage. The mezuzah is a very Jewish thing. It's a metal, what looks like a, a small metal casket, but inside you put a scripture verse. For Jews, you put the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But I touch that mezuzah every time I exit into the garage. I say, blessed be the name of the Lord God of heaven and earth. We have the power to bless the Lord. Slide 10, please. Psalm 34 from the New King James, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in thee, Lord. I was taught uh, a melody to that when I was very young, and I can't help but sing it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. It's a lot easier to memorize scripture when you sing it. Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. This is a habit we need to develop, folks. As we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, First, I want us to bless the Father.
for sending us his only son as a sacrifice to cover all our sins. And then bless the Lord Jesus for suffering and dying in our place. And then bless the Holy Spirit for revealing to our hearts our dire and eternal need of a Savior. Pray with me. I'm going to recite Psalm 51, but pray it in your heart. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said Amen.
Again, in lieu of uh, our benediction, I want to review with you uh, one more question from our list of 10 questions. 10 questions that help us determine if we are truly alive to Jesus. Question six, are you finding certain biblical promises extremely precious and encouraging? We covered a lot of scripture this morning. If you're not encouraged, then you're simply not listening to the Holy Spirit. Because encouragement is his middle name. But, if still, you don't feel encouraged, go home and read Psalm 34. If that doesn't do it, read Philippians. It's only four chapters. Read the whole book. It's a treatise on joy. And while you're reading it, remind yourself that St. Paul wrote it all from prison. And remember your daily readings for Lent. One verse a day, and on the fifth day, just sit before the Lord and learn how to listen. If you can't hear him, start a conversation. It may feel like soliloquy, but talk to him. Tell him what's going on in your life. Tell him how much you love him, how much you need him. If that doesn't work, write him a letter. Put it on paper and then store it in a safe place, maybe in the fold of your Bible. If you don't have a prayer journal, start one. And remember that during Lent as a church, we are fasting on Thursdays. What are we fasting for? Revival. Not just for this church, but for this land, for this world. Our prayer team breaks fast at 6 p.m. Please come join us. We'll take all the prayer warriors we can get. As you pray this week, I challenge you to reflect on the Asbury revival. It's still going on. Pray that it continues to expand. I uh, was raised in a church that was spawned from the revival in uh, Los Angeles, Azusa Street. If you know your church history, you know that revival lasted eight years and basically spawned what we call present-day Pentecostalism. Pray that this revival continues. And one last thing. Go see Jesus' Revolution. It's a fabulous movie. I, I, I seriously, every last one of you needs to go see that movie. Because it's centered in a small church like this that had about as much attendance as we have right now. And the pastor and the congregation decided they would follow Jesus no matter what it looked like. No matter what came to be. And one last note, this Tuesday, we are all invited to celebrate Purim with the Messianic Church Bethsar Shalom. This Tuesday at 6 p.m., they tell us we will be as welcome as the flowers in May. All righty. Blessings to you all.